Good evening and welcome to Relationship Game Changers. My name is Kim Moore, and on behalf of Jesus Christ, Amy Bernal, uh, all of those praying ahead of us getting on the call, we bless you, we thank you, and appreciate you sharing your time with us tonight. If this is your first time on Relationship Game Game Changers, we talk about those truths that transcend gender, race, education, economics, religious affiliation, denomination, and any other schism that would seek to divide the people of God and uh, impede the unity that God desires in Jesus Christ. And so, again, we thank you so much for joining tonight. I want to talk about the way of the water, the way of the water. I started talking about this last week when I said to you that I believe and I share with you scriptural support, but that I believe that the next big move of God is going to come up and out rather than down. And um, I shared with you some things. I'll, I'll just briefly, for those that weren't on last week, I'm going to share some of those things, and then I want to take it a little bit deeper. So hang with me. Father, I thank you. This is your word. This is your desire. Father, you told me to prepare your people for glory. And so, Father God, I just thank you and I praise you, Father, that as you do in me, so let me speak and be and do with others, Father. I thank you and I praise you, Father God, for that. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your constancy. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for never giving up on us. I thank you, Father God, for holding us together when we think we're falling apart. I thank you, Father God, for holding us in your bosom, Father God, that you are the lover of our soul. And so, Father, we stretch out before you tonight. And, Lord, we ask you to uncover our ears and lift the scales from our eyes that we may hear your voice tonight, God, and experience freedom and a desire and an inspiration to draw ever closer to you, Father. For you said, who can ascend the, mount, your, the mountain of God but he who has pure, a pure heart and clean hands? Well, tonight, God, we desire a pure heart and clean hands. And so, Father God, I thank you for honoring your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, I said that I believe that God's next big move is going to come up and through you, up and through God's people. And I showed you in the Old Testament, I told you about Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet who spoke about the restoration of Israel. He announced two things, a new life and a new order, a new life and a new order, a new way of doing things. In Ezekiel eleven nineteen, and again in 26, he said that God would take out of us, out of Israel, out of God's people, then speaking to Israel, the people of God, the chosen people, saying that I will take out of you a stony heart and place within you a heart of flesh. Well, Jesus made it such that we as Gentiles enter in to that promise. And so even with us, God is taking out our stony heart and placing within us hearts of flesh. And he did that as we received Jesus Christ. We're not the replacement of Israel. We're in addition to Israel. And so then he began to share a vision with us in chapter 47 that involved water. And the water was coming up through the threshold of the temple. And in his vision, the water came up over his feet and ankles. It came up and over his knees, up and over his waist. And finally, it was up and over his head such that he could not have crossed it unless he swam. Again, suggesting if he had to swim in it, it was too deep to walk in suggests to me that it was over his head. And then I said to you that in 1 Corinthians 3.16, that we are God's temple. He dwells in the midst of us. And then I linked Ezekiel 47 to John 4 and 14 and John 7 and 38, because whatever God's going to do in the New Testament, he has to give us a preview of it in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 47 is the preview of John 14 
4.14 and John 7.38. And John 4.14 says, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well or a spring, a fountain, an aquifer of water springing up in him for eternal life. And then John 7:38 says, he who believes in me, who cleaves and trusts and relies on me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being or up from his innermost being shall flow continuously springs and rivers of living water. And you'll recall Jesus is the living water. He is the spring. He is the source. He is the aquifier, aquifer. And aquifer are rocks underneath the earth that release water. We also know Jesus is the rock. And so the rock of God, Jesus, is the source. He is the releaser of the water. In fact, he said that it's necessary that I go to my Father so that I can release the Holy Spirit or the water of God. But in Ezekiel 47 and in John 4.14 and John 7.38, in, in all of those cases, the water was going up and out, not down and in. It was going up and out. I showed you in Genesis 2 where it had not rained on the earth, but God caused a mist and water to come up from the earth. And I showed you in Isaiah 55 that that uh, that that uh, it talks about that that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. That as the rain comes down and waters the earth, be uh, and then goes up again. And so there's a going up that I believe that we are entering in. And throughout Scripture, I I just see an interplay. And you will verify this for yourself with God in your own studies. But I I see an interplay between water and the earth, between the Holy Spirit and mankind. Water representing the Holy Spirit, the earth representing mankind. In fact, we were made from the earth. And so uh, it's, it's interesting to me that even back in Genesis 1, 1 and 2, it says that water covered the earth, which means in the beginning, water, the Holy Spirit, covered man. And then God gathered the waters together and the dry land appeared. So it was about God, it is about God, and it will always be about God and man's relationship into this, this, this sovereign, supreme God that we also know as Jesus Christ. And so it's, and so, so when we talk about water, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, in desert and much of the, the Middle East and, and where Jesus was and, and even the wilderness, there's a great deal of dry land. And there's, there was not much surface water. Surface water would be a natural lake or rivers. There, were not, there was not much surface water. That's water that appears. You don't have to dig for it. You don't have to go underground to get it. But it's just there. And so there wasn't much surface water, so they dug wells to get the water from under the earth to the surface of the earth so that they could use it. It's interesting to me that the water was covering the earth, then God gathered the waters together, and now when we think about wells, we think about water under the earth. So the Holy Spirit is over the earth, and he's also under the earth. He's over man, but he's also under man. And so with this surface water, it was great when it was available, but it wasn't enough to sustain in the arid country that the Israelites found themselves. And so they dug wells of water to get the water from underground to the ground so that they could live and sustain life. Now, let me just pause here for a second because um, there's a lot of surface water in the body of Christ. There's a lot of surface water in the body of Christ. And many are content to use this water to climb the ladder of, 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 of success, you know, to, to build ministries and massive ministries. And I'm not condemning 
those things. I'm just simply saying that that there is plentiful surface water. We climb the ladder of success. We build ministries while in many cases we minimize or ignore the need to plumb the depths of the Holy Spirit, plumb the depths of our soul with God. In fact, there's almost a disregard for those who focus on maturing the soul of God's people. Why? Because that is the deeper work. That's the inner work. That is the sanctifying work. And if God in this next big move is going to come up through and out, then he must deal with the soul of men. And so God won't simply continue to be satisfied with our outward adherence to his word. He's not going to, he won't, I don't believe that he will be uh, uh, satisfied um, uh, with, with, with our conferences, with our corporate prayers and our events and our outreaches and our, and our mass evangelism and our missions work. All of these things are needful and necessary, but they in and of themselves do not change or transform the soul. It's the difference between knowing the will of God and knowing the way of God. The people understood the will of God, and the will of God is that none should perish. The will of God is that we should preach the gospel. The will of God is is in, in Mark 16. It tells us what to do. This is the will of God. But the will of God is also the sanctification of the soul which I have said to you before. So we can have superficial surface spiritual experiences, but they're unsustainable and they don't oftentimes last in healing. So you'll go to a meeting and it'll be an amazing meeting and people will pray and prophesy over us and we'll leave there genuinely feeling and experiencing something different than when we came. The presence of God's spirit is is there and and he does what he does he loves he heals he sets free but explain to me what happens when that same person leaves that meeting and two or two a week not even week but days later they are back in the same condition as before they experienced that great uh spiritual experience that surface experience what happened? Did God change? No. Did his will change? No. What happened? We can't continue to reduce it to the fact, well, this person didn't have enough faith. Because the Bible is clear, at least on one example where I saw it wasn't the faith of the man on the stretcher that was lowered down by his friends to get in the presence, to get an audience with Jesus that healed him. Jesus said, on the account of your friend's faith, you're made whole. So an indictment against one person's faith, faith is an indictment against all of our faith because collectively we had the faith to produce, uh, work with God to produce healing. But alone, something happened, and I would submit to you for your consideration that a free soul is not the same as a sanctified soul. We are free in order to be sanctified. The Bible says in Galatians that God set us free. He saved us. He set us free in order to deliver us. So we have to go through not just freedom, but also sanctification. God's not going to always strive with his people. I'm thinking of the verse in Corinthians where it said all the people drank this, you know, they they sat down, they ate this same spiritual food, they drank from the same spiritual rocks, and yet they got up and nothing was changed about them. Um, I think it's 1 Corinthians 10. Amy, if you have that verse, it's really important because what we're talking about is the people that experience the surface water of God, but it never went deep enough to change the way they think and the way they behave. And so First Corinthians ten four. Richard, would you read that for me please? Thank no, you. No, no. I, I, 
I had it from memory, so let me go over my Bible. <laughs> That's all right. I had a little bit of it from memory. That's good. Oh, yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work. You know, this is a living example, guys. It's it's not about one person. None of us have all of the answers. But when we come together and our wells are working, then everybody gets to benefit. Yeah, that I sent that out on a text uh, a couple of days ago, actually. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I must have. I am sure I saw it because usually I, I'll read the things that you sent out. Maybe that's where I saw it lately. <laughs> yeah, it's um, and uh, it's verse four, First Corinthians ten, and they all drank the same spiritual, supernaturally given drink, for they drank from a spiritual rock which followed them, produced by the sole power of God Himself, without natural instrumentality, and the rock was Christ. And then wow. verse, yeah, verse 5 says, yeah, nevertheless, God was not pleased with the great majority of them, for they were overthrown and strewn down along the ground in the wilderness. Wow. So they were drinking surface water. The surface water is real water. It has truth in it. There's nothing wrong with it. But you can't, li- it, it's, here's a good way to look at it. Surface water is an appetizer, but it's not the meal. You, but when we treat the appetizer like the meal, we're going to always leave hungry. But when we treat the appetizer as something to whet our taste, to inspire us to go deeper with God, then we get sustenance. And so we have a we have believers who have been feeding off of the appetizers, treating them like they're entrees. And so God is not going to always strive with us. He didn't with his own people. How much less will he do so with us who are now his people as well? And so like Isaac, we must redig some of the wells. And that's because the water, the Holy Spirit, must get up and through our dirt if he's to get out of us what he desires from us. The Bible says he gives us the desire to do what pleases him. So when we find that we are lacking in desire, we must ask him, what is it you desire of me? What is it that you want to do with me? How do you want me to work with you? I believe we're in a time, I said, let me just say this, let's just talk about wells for a few minutes. Let me just say this real clear. You are the well. You're the well that I'm talking about. Jesus is the aquifer. He's the rock. He's the spring. He's the living water. And his intention is to come up and out of your well, up and out of your life. He wants his spirit to come through your soul and eventually through your body. The problem that God has with us is that our soul has been stopped up and prevented. I'm going to show you this in Scripture. But what I want you to capture here right now is you are the well. And I believe that God is repositioning the wells in his kingdom. For some of us, that might mean moving to a new geographical place. For some, it might mean moving to a new house. For some, it might mean moving to a new church. For some, it might mean moving and getting around the people that God has called, the community that God has called you to be around. For some of you, it might mean a new job. For some of you might be, you know, it could be reuniting with someone. I don't know. What I know and believe is that God is repositioning, relocating his wells for optimal output. Why? Let me just give you a few things about wells. Wells are always dug on, I use the word aquifer or a spring. And both of them are water sources. But as I said, the aquifer is water that comes through rocks, through the pores in the rocks. Remember, Moses spoke to the rock and it, and it gave water. He tapped the rock and it gave water. That's an aquifer. And then, um, and, and, and then springs, there's a natural underwater or underground spring that is producing water as in a stream. You know, I know in Florida they have the hot springs, and in other parts of the country they have these hot springs where you can go and literally sit in a pool that is fed 
by an underground spring, a source of water um, that rises to the surface. And then wells are storage places. They hold water and permit the people to be able to draw water upon demand. So here's another thing. Wells, remember, you are the well. Jesus is the aquifier. He's the source. He's the living water. He's the spring. But wells are dug, and you got to get this, wells are always dug. They're always placed, uh, uh, located in places of activity, in places of commerce, around people, community, civilization. If these things were absent, there would be no reason for the well because the well is a source of provision. They represent opportunity. So people could bring their cattle, their herds. They would bring them to the well for the opportunity to be able to draw out and feed their flocks. You can see that throughout all of the Old Testament where they didn't have much surface water. They were constantly moving and tenting, T-E-N-T-I-N-G, I don't know if that's a word, but tenting, and wherever they tent, they dug a well so that they would have opportunity or water for their themselves and their cattle. You are a well. You are an opportunity, and other people are supposed to draw the life of God from you. Listen to this. It says in Nehemiah 9.25, and they captured fortified cities and a rich land and took possession of houses full of all good things, cisterns. Cisterns are wells hewn out. They're cut out of stone or cut out of the earth. Vineyards, olive orchards, fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. Wells, you, when you are Planted where God would have you to be, my Bible, and this is not the only verse. You can go to Deuteronomy, but wherever there was a well, there was abundance. In, in, in Isaac's time, and I'm going to share this a little bit as we go on, but in Isaac's time, Isaac had grown wealthy around the wells that he built, so much so that he was asked to leave because the land couldn't contain him and um I think his name is Abimelech, but we'll get to that. So the point that I'm making is there's supposed to be abundance around you. And we think of abundance simply as material things. Yes, that may include spiritual things, but it also includes relationships. Where are you receiving life? What is life-giving? Who is life-giving? These are some of the people that become your community. Because you need life in order to live. That sounds like kind of common sense. You need life in order to live. So if you're in a place that's not producing life, eventually you too will dry up and die. You can't live by yourself. You must be in a place that's producing life. You must be around, you are a well, but you must be around wells, that is, containers or storage places for God's living water so that others can draw water, the living water, experience experiences of God out of you, can experience your glory aspect, but also so that you can draw the living water out of other people. So let me give you a few things about wells, and then I'm going to read just a few more scriptures. And then if you guys want to weigh in, Richard, if you want to weigh in or others want to weigh in, that be that would be awesome. So wells provide. I said they were a source of provision. They supply water. Without water, without food, you can live, you know, a few weeks, I'm told. Without water, you can live several days, maybe a few days. You cannot live without water. And as a Christian, you cannot live without the living water. You can go to church and not experience the living water. You can go to church and experience surface water. But if you try to make a meal, an entree off the surface water, you will always have to run back to the table to get more of the, get more of the appetizer. Appetizers are not meant to sustain you. Surface water is not meant to sustain you. An aquifer, a spring of living water is meant to sustain you. That's why Jesus said to the woman, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again because surface water is on the outside of you. Conferences, outreach, 
volunteering, evangelism, missions, all of those are outside of you. But an aquifier is inside of you. And the Bible says that Christ in us is the hope of glory. So it's not that that outside work, those outside surface waters aren't important. For we are in Christ, but he is also in us. And so wells provide water. You're supposed to be providing living water to some person, people's community that God has set your well in. Remember, wells need and depend on community. If your well isn't working properly, one of the reasons could be is you're in the wrong community because community will draw from the well, but the community will always also allow you to draw from their well. Numbers 21, 16, 17 says this, from there the Israelites went to B-E-E-R, and it's translated a well, the well of which the Lord had said to Moses, assemble the people together and I will give them water. One of the challenges in the body of Christ right now is we're trying to get water on our own. We're trying to get water outside of the community that God has assigned us. And Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, the Lord said to Moses here, and that Lord, I believe, is all caps, me, meaning speaking of Elohim, meaning speaking of God himself. He says, gather the people and I will give them water. So what is the community that God is asking you to gather in so that God can supply the water to that community? And then the Bible says Israel sang this song, spring up, O well. Let it sing. Let it sing. Spring up, O oh well. In essence, we are gathered. Now spring up. Second thing wells do, they're or, or symbolize, they're a place of encounter with God's truth, with his grace, with his mercy. I mean, they, they, they encounter, I think of Hagar. Remember, Hagar ran from her uh from her mistress um um Sarah because she was offended by the way Sarah was treating her. And the Bible says in Genesis 16, 13, and 14, so she named the Lord who spoke to her, you are Elroy, for she said, in this place have I seen the one who sees me. That's why the well is called Beer, B-E-E-R, same well we saw just before in Numbers in Numbers 21, Bir Laharoi, it is between Kadesh and Berit. What is she saying? She said, at the well, at this, remember, you're the well. He is the living waters. So what is it saying for us? It's saying that if you want to have an encounter with God, it's going to be with him inside of you who sees you. See, God saw Hagar and didn't despise her. He blessed her, sent her back. And then when she was sent a second time, he loaded her with blessings and sent her away and even blessed her son. So wells are a place of encounter. When you get around people whose well is full and overflowing, there's an encounter. Something happens when you're around these people. Does something happen when you're around the people that you say that you're supposed to be? Are you happening? around the community that God has given you? Is the living water able to get up and out of you? We want and love the water that comes down because all we have to do is stand there, pray, and wait for it. But the water that comes up and out necessarily requires you to engage with the provision of God, to have an encounter with God, the one who sees you. The Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, it pierces and divides the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and distinguishes the thoughts from your motivations, from what you're thinking or what you're doing from why you're doing it. And when you talk about sanctification, until you get to allowing God to address your motives, you're not at the bottom of the well. The motive is the bottom of your soul. It is the reason why you do what you do. It is the reason why you say what you say. And here's something to consider. The purest water is in the deepest part of the well. So the surface water is not the purest water. 
The surface water is what came through everything else. It's, it's just there. It's groundwater. It didn't do anything. That's where it got left or that's where it is. It's natural. But the well water, the, 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 the deeper you dig into the well, the purer the water is. Now, I have a water filter sitting on my counter, and you pour water in the top of this thing. And I'm telling you, by the time this water goes through this thing, I've not seen clearer, purer, um, almost sweet-tasting water. And I didn't do anything. It was the filter that cleaned everything out. The Word of God is the filter of your soul. So when the Holy Spirit, the living water, goes through your soul, it is filtering out everything that's not like him. And he does it in these things called encounters. And sometimes he does it miraculously, like a Jericho. He just says, that's it, no more, can't do that to her anymore, you're done. And it's over. It's a miracle. It just happened. You didn't pray about it. It just happened. But then there are the cross experiences that require your participation. It requires you to show up and see exactly what God is filtering out of you. And then another thing wells do, they're a place of worship. Why? Because when you see God and then you see yourself in relationship to him, the only thing your soul wants to do is what it's designed to do, and that is to worship God. Genesis twenty six twenty five says, so he built an altar there called the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. Isaac also dug a well there. So wells are natural places of worship because when you're dealing with yourself, when you're allowing God to deal with you and correct you at the motive level, you want, it, it, there, it's a godly sorrow. You just bow down. Nobody has to push you down. Nobody has to make you. Nobody has to force you. You want to surrender everything there is to him. And when you get comfortable with him being that deep inside of you, you won't wait for him to ask. You're constantly fling your arms open and say, God, search me and see whether there's any wicked way in me. Father, search me that I might know truth in my inner man. People won't, you won't have to ask. I tell you what, your response to correction will be different. When somebody comes to you and say, you know what, you offended me when you said this, your immediate response won't be to justify yourself. When the living water is flowing right through you and healthily through you, what you'll say is this. Help me understand, what is it that I did or said that hurt you? You won't even try to explain, well, I didn't mean it. I didn't say it like that. You don't, even, you don't have self-justification because Jesus is your justifier, and when he's your justifier, you don't have to be ashamed of being wrong, guilty, or whatever because it's not about you. It's about him and that living water coming up through you. So you have a different response to someone confronting you when your behavior is incompatible with who you say you are. And they'll always call you up. That's the difference. When somebody's correcting, healthy correction will always call somebody up. They will address what's going on, but they'll call that's healthy community. And then wells, they're wells of generational blessing. Genesis twenty six through twenty. And 18 says, Isaac took his family on a journey in the land, and along the way his servants redug the wells of his father Abraham. He called them by the same name as his father had. Isaac was a rich man, a wealthy man, just as his father was. It was generational, and it was tied to the well. It was tied to the well of provision. It was tied to the well of encounter with God. It was tied to the well... It was tied to the, to the well of worship, and it was tied to the well of community. We have lost the idea of community, and God is bringing back community, and that's why I believe he's relocating the wells right now, because we need authentic, genuine community among the believers. 
And if you're watching what's taking place in this world, we need even more authentic, genuine, healthy communities in the body of Christ that defy denomination or that cross denomination or that transcend denomination, gender, race, education, economics. There's one thing that binds us together, and his name is Jesus Christ. He said it this way, that in him there is no male nor female, Greek nor Jew, and you can put whatever other schism you want to put for the believer there, but we're all one in him. God is loving and God is just, and he can hold that tension together if we will learn to live and practice relationship community. And here's the thing, I'm emphasizing this because we have these big words, you know, God is not a religion, he's a relationship. And, And for many people, that's just surface water. We have called people family and then they're in trouble and we stay away. We say things that we don't mean, they just sound good in the moment. They sound like the right thing in the moment, but they don't scratch the surface of what God's intention is. It's surface water. It's surface conversation. It's superficial. It loosely holds us together. But when the storms of life come, when the persecution comes, you and I must know who We are in relationship, who we are in community, who is producing life, where can we draw life from. And here's the beautiful part about it. If you're thinking that where you're in a healthy community, that there can people that there will be people that are just takers, the community, the soil, the healthiness of that community will challenge that behavior. And we can do it because we're free. And so they're generational blessings. They're, and some of your parents, I think about Amy, her parents were missionaries for years. They have given their lives, you know, to serve on the mission field and now helps others serve on the mission field. There's a generational blessing that belongs to Amy as a result of that well being dug by her father and her mother. And so for many of us, the problem is that our wells have been stopped up with dirt. So we get a trickle here, we get a miracle here, we get a sign here, a wonder there. No, but the flow, the flow, the living water, the flow that Jesus entered into, the rivers of living water that Jesus said would come from us, it eludes many of us. You know, in, in, in a, let's see. Let's just go here to to Isaac. So, and before I do that, and I think it's in Genesis 21, Abraham complained to Abimelech um, over the wells because Abimelech's servants were violently taking the wells. So in some of our cases, the problem is someone has taken over the well. They've, They've seized our well. They've seized our capacity to produce. They have, um, how do I want to say, religiousized us. We're in religion, and therefore we have been hijacked so that we can't operate the way God made us to operate. We can't show off our glory aspect because it's not accepted here. It doesn't look right here. It doesn't fit in here. That They were violently seized by the adversary. And we know we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then there's Isaac. And I'm going to read uh, Genesis 26, 12 through 22. It says, Then Isaac sowed seed in that land and received in the same year a hundred times as much as he had planted, and the Lord favored him with blessing. And the man became great and gained more and more until he became very wealthy and distinguished. He owned flocks, herds, and great supply of servants, and the Philistines envied him. Now all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines closed up and filled in with earth or with dirt. So the wells were no longer able to produce. They were no longer a source because they were stopped up. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. In other words, the land can't sustain both of us. You're too great for us. 
And for some of you, your gifts, your talents, your skills and ability are too big for the community that you're in. And like Abimelech said to Isaac, go from here for the land. The surface water cannot sustain both of us. So Isaac went away from there, pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and dwelt there. And and Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham, and he gave them the names by which his father called them. Verse 19, now Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there, found there a well of living spring water. They found a source of water. And the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water is ours, and he named the well Essek, or contention, because they quarreled with him. So now the wells that Abraham dug were all filled with dirt. Now Isaac builds some new wells or digs some new wells, and now a new people are contending with him over the wells. And so the Bible says in verse 21, then his servants dug another well, and they quarreled over it also. So he named it Sitna, or enemy, enmity, or hostility. Do you understand that when God begins to dig a well or get through the earth of your soul, your soul is, the, if I could say it was the earth of your soul, others will become contentious. They will become envious. Why? Because you'll begin to display the glory of God. You'll begin to display the, whatever resources he has assigned for your destiny. For some, it may be prosperity. For some, it may, may be an awesome and amazing and unusual gift of healing. What I'm trying to say is I just don't want to say it's just you're going to get rich, you know, because you dug this well. I do believe richness, wealth, and prosperity are in each of our destiny. It just may look different for each of us. We make a mistake when we make a formula uh, and, and sell something as a formula that may or may not be related to the needs and to the desires and God's dream for your destiny. So the second well that Isaac built, they were fighting over again. So the Bible says he moved away from there and dug another well. And in this well, the third well, they did not quarrel. He named it Rehoboth, room. God gave me room, saying, for now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall bear fruit in the land. May I suggest to you that some of you have allowed God to dig, and, and you've been digging wells. You have been you have been. God has been a provider to you. He has sustained you. You have, you have drunk from the water of life, the living water. You've had encounters with God. You know, you, you've allowed God to see your soul naked and bare. You haven't tried to cover up your shame or your fear, but you make it known to him. You have worshipped God in this place. And, 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 and there may be even some generational blessing. And, and, and perhaps you've even started to dig some of these wells, new wells, and, and you just can't get, get right. You just don't seem to fit. You just can't. It, it's just not working for you. Something's not happening. You, you're doing the right things. You are surrendering your soul to God. You're offering him your motives. You're asking him to cleanse you. You know, you're, 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 you're doing what you understand that God is having you to do, and that is putting your soul on his altar to obtain grace and mercy in time of need. And yet there's hostility, there's enmity with what God is doing. May I suggest to you, as was the case with Isaac, that God has made room for you somewhere in a community, in a group of people. He's made room for you. And where he makes room for you, you will be fruitful because the people won't contend with you. They will be aiding and abetting your destiny because they understand when you fulfill your destiny, the community fulfills their destiny. Oh, my gosh. Perhaps your well has been stolen. Perhaps it's been stopped up. Let me read these last few verses to you, and it's in the Song of Solomon, and then I have some folks. Uh, Richard, Amy, uh, Patsy, Pam, I don't know, 
if you want to jump in and, and comment here, you're, you're welcome to do it. But I want to close with this scripture. It's in Song of Solomon, 412 through 16. And as a word that was given to me back August 14th of this year, a prophet that I did not know, I didn't go to this service um, looking for any word. I, I just don't do that. But anyway, he spoke to me, and several others did. And, and one of the, the messages I received was this, and I share it with you. is Song of Solomon 412 through 16. A garden enclosed and barred is my sister, my promised bride. A spring, excuse me, a spring shut up a fountain sealed. Your shoots are an orchard of pomegranates or a paradise with precious fruits, henna and spikenyard plants, spikenyard and saffron and calamus and cinnamon with all trees of frankincense, myrrh, aloes with all the chief spices. You are a fountain springing up in a garden a well of living waters and flowing streams from Lebanon. You are a fountain. You are a well. The living waters are springing up in a garden. The garden is your community that God has called you to. Verse 16, you have called, and then she answers him, you have called me a garden, she said. Oh, I pray north wind, south wind may blow upon my garden that its spices may flow in abundance. For you whom my soul delights, let my beloved come into his garden and eat its choicest fruit. Father, I thank you that we are your wells. You are the living water. I thank you for relocating and repositioning us to the communities that you will have us to take part in in this next leg of our journey. Father, I thank you, Father, as you blow the winds of your favor on these communities, God, that the spices, the glory aspects of each well, God, would produce, God, and produce abundantly, God, that you would multiply your grace upon these people, God. Lord, as we find each other, God, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that everyone listening here, Father, tonight, that you would provide for them, God, provide for these wells. You are the living water. I thank you and I praise you for God encounters tonight, God, that as they lay their head upon their bed, the souls of your people would engage the mind and the will and the heart of God. Lord, I thank you that our souls would have an encounter, a divine counter with love and truth, that there would be divine interruptions in our lives, that we might, Lord, be inspired, Lord, to open ourselves completely to you, Father, having need of no thing, God. Lord, completely dependent upon you, Father God. We thank you and we praise you that these tonight, these listening, Lord, will become wells of worship, God, not because somebody's telling us to worship, not because somebody's forcing us to worship, but because the encounter we have with you, that you allowed us to see you and we've allowed you to see us, Lord, results in a, a desire, deep in de desire to worship you in all of your glory, God. Weight us down with your glory, God, that we might host your presence and the springs of living water might flow up and out of us, God. With not hold, don't withhold the generational blessings that would aid and abet the destinies of these people, God. I ask you to do these things. Give your people courage tonight, God, to be all that you've called them to be. And I give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amy? Wow. Thank you, Kim. I just think that last week's message and then this week, it you just painted such a clear picture of what the Lord, his, his way, and just his bride without spot or wrinkle, you know, just thinking about us being well and reaching that he's within, not not just coming from outside of us. But truly yep. in a and reaching in 
and not just waiting for, for something outside of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then thinking about the community, too. How when there's resistance and not a flourishing over a season, that it may be time for transition. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we always think about that. I'd like to open it up for questions and, and comments. So if anyone has a, a question or comment, you can star six. Star six, and let's let's hear what what you guys are, are thinking for um, what you received or questions. Richard? Can you, yeah, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Yes. I, I just, uh, this is just so, so tremendous uh, what's been taught tonight. Uh, as I've actually experienced uh, this in uh, in several different areas. And uh, I just want to share real quickly. Um, uh, when my wife and I lived in South Florida, um, we had been in a certain church for a, a long period of time, and we thought that it was the place we were supposed to be. But we, when we, we began to learn the things of the Spirit and stuff like that, we uh, became offensive <laughs> to people. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so we were, we were asked to leave. And um, when, we, when God drew, led us to this, to this new church, I met probably the most unique man I've ever met in the ministry or one, one of, uh, anyway, but, um, the pastor there, um, the, the church, uh, I, I've never seen so many souls be saved in, in a church, uh, didn't make any difference what he was preaching on every single service, Wednesday nights, all of that, just people got getting born again. And, um, you know, after we were there a few weeks, um, they had this like gathering for people who were new to the church. And he said something that, that I'll never forget. He said, you know, this is, this is a good church. He said, and we love the people that come here. He said, but I tell everybody who comes here, this may not be the church for you. You have to find a people that you can be in unity with. You have, you have to find the place that God has called you to. And uh, I'd never heard a a preacher say anything like that before. They were usually, you know, yeah, you got to come here, you know, you've been, you know. know, And it was was so tremendous. It revolutionized me, you know, because I hear Christians now say, well, you know, we go to this church because they've got a, a, a good pastor or they've got a youth ministry or the choir's good or something like that. But very rarely do you hear people say, I'm going here because this is where I've been called. This is where mm. God is. You mm-hmm. know? And, and I had something occur just a few weeks ago. Um, I, I've been in been in this church, and uh, it, it was okay. It was, you know, it was a nice church, but their, their direction was just different from mine, you know, and... Uh, I was sitting in prayer one one day at noon in a prayer meeting there, and I just heard this in my spirit as loud as uh, um, almost if it was you know somebody standing there physically talking, and the Lord just said to me, "What are you doing here?" And uh, <laughs> and I, uh, I I I didn't really know what to say, but I went home and I was thinking about it, and and Pastor Barbara called me uh, a few hours later, and. Uh, she said, have you got time to talk? And I said, yeah. And I related to her what happened in, in the prayer uh, time. And she said, I've been praying for you for the last few days. And it's kept coming up in my spirit. Richard, what are you doing here? And uh, mm. <laughs> so, oh, so wow. uh, yeah, you know, and I, and I have found in our prayer group here and in, in that ministry with Pastor Barbara, that kind of camaraderie. And that feeding, it draws things out of me when I listen to the messages here, when I listen to other people pray. And the same thing on the other line. When, I, when it, I'm listening to other people on the line pray, it draws things up out of me that I didn't know were there, you know. Uh, and, and suddenly 
things will become clear to me that I have read, uh, you know, over and over before. So I, I just think that's, you know, that, that whole concept of the well, you know, uh, and community and coming up out of that, you know, it just, uh, so I just wanted to share that with everybody, you know, praise God. You know. Wow, that that's powerful. That's yeah. really, really good. Really good. Wow. And you guys have got a chance to hear Richard next week because Richard's going to be teaching. <laughs> so I'm going to take notes next week. And it's so okay. true, the, the camaraderie and just, it, it really is true. We, we draw things out of one another. Yeah. And yeah. there's room for everyone in the community, you know. And, and I like what you said, Richard, about uh, that it, it, it really struck with you what the pastor had said. Yeah. About being with people you can be in unity with. Absolutely. And not that, you know, one local body is for everyone. Because that, no, that's the absolute truth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it just, uh, it, it, but if you've ever been in a church where, you know, uh, I remember him giving this illustration too. You know, he said, if you're in a church where you're not comfortable all the time, where nothing seems right, he said, look at look at the building of the kingdom of God as a giant construction uh, project. He said some are called to be electricians, some are called to do the drywall, some are called to do the roofing. He said, if you're an electrician in a plumber's church, he said, mm. nothing is going to seem right to you. He said, it's not that there's wow. anything with them. You're just not in the place that God has called you to be. And, mm-hmm. and that, I mean, I thought, dear God, that's good stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> that yeah. is good. Mm-hmm. That is good. Kim, I liked how you tied it to Song of Solomon. That was beautiful. Mm. I hadn't yeah. seen that connection. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is good. So many connections in his word as we mm-hmm. dig. We see So thank you for digging and seeing that connection. Praise God. Mm-hmm. Praise God. God is good. He is. <laughs> he is. He so really good. Is. So good. Yep. Yep. We're all wells. And the question is, what kind of water is coming out of you? Because you you think about it, um, you know, I think about the filter sitting on my counter. It's not that we are squeaky clean in and of ourselves. None of us are. We are squeaky clean through him who sets us apart and like a filter when we allow God into our places of fear and shame and hurt and pain and offense and loss and all of the other angst and woes that that we can have. When we allow God into those areas, then he filters and cleanses us so that the water coming from us is not tainted. And the challenge we have in the body of Christ, we have tainted water. Yes. We have tainted water because people are free, but they have not been sanctified. And last week I gave you the example of Second Timothy 20, where it says, now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels. Yep. There are not only gold and silver vessels, um, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. So there is a preparation, a cleansing, a sanctification that makes us a special instrument. So the fact that the word Special is together with instrument means that there are instruments, but then there's special instruments. And the special Mm -hmm. instruments are those that have gotten processed in the dishwasher of God, if I could say it that way, or the filter, the (laughs) filter of God. And we need safe relationships. We need community because why would I want to show up 
and expose my shame to people that are going to take advantage of me, hurt me, or use it against mm-hmm. me. We've all experienced that. And so I encourage you to pray for safe, healthy communities so that mm-hmm. God can sanctify his people and can come up and up through and out of his people in a way that we have not ever seen on the earth. The difference between God coming down on his people, coming down, just only coming down, it's like surface water. But when God comes up and down, you understand we're locked in at that point. Now it's sustainable. And so I just encourage you to pray for the community. And when I say community, the people that God is asking or drawing you to attach your life to, not necessarily that we're not talking about time for the rest of your life. It might be a season or a a time that God wants you to be at a particular church or a particular place. But in this time of rearranging, relocating, and and whatever God is doing and saying, I I know in a number of people, um, you know, just, just be open to what he's to what he's doing because change happens in relationship. It doesn't happen because you heard a word. So the church service won't change you, but the word that you receive, that you grapple with, you wrestle with, and you bring into relationship with others, that's the word that will change you. So, yeah, find your community. And, And the beautiful thing about community, guys, I've said this before, I didn't have to teach my kids who they, I didn't have to teach my kids their identity. They were in relationship with me. And so as a result of being in relationship with me, identity is always the natural production of relationship. So by, let me say it more simply. Whoever you, whatever group, community you belong to, you will take on the characteristics of that group. So it makes it real important to know what characteristics would God have me to take on? What does he want me to be immersed in? And what does he want to immerse in me? Because that's what will be produced. Gangs produce gang members, right? Um, if yep. I, I'm a swimmer, so I went, was on a swimming team. That was my community. It produced a swimmer. Basketball community produced basketball players. People with integrity produce people with integrity. So you need to know not just what the mission of the group you're in but what is the character that is associated with that mission? Because the character is what you'll be producing. The mission is what you'll reproduce. The character you will produce, the mission you'll reproduce. And, and so it, you'll just continue to just express that which you have immersed yourself in. So I don't know if that makes sense or helps or if I thoroughly confuse things, but that's what yes. I'm thinking. <laughs> no, that's Lord, good. Yeah. That that's more good good nugget. <laughs> more good. It, it's yes. real critical. It's real critical who you're attached to, guys. It really is. We're not that in control. There are no self made people. People yes. are produced. They are not self made. There's no self made wealthy person. People are produced, and you're produced based on what you're in relationship with. An apple tree produces apples every time, all the time, without incident. Now, some of the apples might be rotten or have a worm in it, but you're never getting an apple tree to produce oranges. So what is it that God wants to produce in you? That's the tree you need to be connected with. Because you'll find that growth is a whole lot easier and much more natural when you're connected to the tree that produces the yep. fruit that God's trying to produce in you. Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. Well, let me give the replay number. Tonight's replay, and it's 605 followed by 341 pound And tonight's call number is 234-POUND. So 234-POUND. Wow. Well, Kim or Richard, do you guys have anything, anything else, final comments? 
I'm good. I'm going to have my notepad, and I'm going to wait for Richard next week. <laughs> I know. We look forward to hearing you next week, Richard. <laughs> I think well, you to jump off. on behalf of all of us here at RGC, we're so glad you joined us, and we look forward to hearing you on the call next week. Good night. <laughs>